getting guys over for the Angels. Angels Stadium has been much better for home runs this year. Fires a guy that's always going to give up a bomb or two, and the two most likely candidates are Otani and Trout. Otani hitting the ball super hard with Fires being an extreme fly ball pitcher, which works out well in Oakland. Not going to work out well here. Not going to work out well with Trout or Otani. Both of them hit the ball hard, are patient, and make good contact on the ball. Otani, like I said, big strikeout guy, but Fires is not a big strikeout guy. So this ball is going to be putting, put in play. It's going to be a fly ball most likely. So decent chance that Trout or Otani leave the park. Same thing with Davis, guy with a bunch of power, gets 40 home runs every single year going up against Skaggs, who's a high hard hit rate guy. He does strike a lot of guys out, but the most likely candidate over on the A's to hit a home run is probably Davis. It was between him or Olsen, but Davis has a platoon split. I'm not using Olsen in a lefty-lefty matchup. So it makes Davis the easy choice. One of these three is going to hit a home run. Probably two of these three in all likelihood, considering the game scenario. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the video. We'll be back again next week bringing you some more props over here. Good luck on all your props. Let's take them down tonight. I'm out of here. See you, kids. Hey, thanks for checking out our videos. If you want more expert advice on DraftKings, FanDuel, or any other daily fantasy sports, make sure you check out the current videos playlist. Grinders, Dean here. That's Dean 7904. If you want to get all technical on me, it's 510 on the East Coast, 210 on the West Coast, 410 Tennessee time. Of course, of course, that was just time for the flagship show here at Rotor Grinders. It's called Grinders Live. It's sponsored by Fantasy Draft. And join me today. It's a, uh, it's the, you may know him from such things as Monkey Knife Fight. You probably just watched that uh, video. There you go. It's Con Air. Oh, it's, yeah, it's Nick Cage. I forgot. You may know him from when he, his face came off. And he also, uh, he, what did he do with the Declaration of Independence? He had to find it someplace. I didn't realize you're holding the pillow up. It's, oh, it's Grant too. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. I just found out today that I have a Nicolas Cage pillow. Um, was not expecting that. How do you and, just find that out? <laughs> that doesn't so, just pick up on anybody. So I'm living over in Denver. I'm helping my brother take care of his kid. And now I'm moving down into the basement that someone else was living in. And the guy left a beer, a whoopee cushion, and a Nick Cage pillow. 
<laughs> I have a lot of questions. Go was, on. Was Sam down there with the gimp? Like, what, what else is going on down in the basement that we should know about? But, <laughs> oh, not as much as going to be going on in the basement. <laughs> so that's a, that is good times. I'm, I'm uh, thoroughly jealous, of course. We were going to have some banter about Nick Cage, but unfortunately, we're, uh, we're te- we lost 10 minutes. We lost 10 minutes of the show because of tech issues. Not my fault for what, for what it's worth. Oh, no, we have arguments about whether it's your fault or not. Well, supposedly, allegedly, D-Train is saying, our fabulous multitasking producer, who if you guys are asking questions over there, YouTube, hi, YouTube. Uh, if you're asking questions, he will copy and paste them and throw them in the RG chat. If you guys have questions in the RG chat, just ask questions in the RG chat. But we, got, we, we had a very, <laughs> we had deep thoughts. We had conversations about Richard Simmons and Gene Simmons pre-show, and I guess there was one, two, so many, too many Simmons or so. It, it threw D-Train off, and apparently... I derailed his concentration, and that's what happened. So our apologies. Yeah. Well, let's get going. <laughs> and me and you had like a five-minute conversation about Richard Simmons, and I feel so much we better. We had a five-minute conversation about we, – we went through a lot of topics pre-show. We did. <laughs> what you give people for their birthday is always uh, – you know, that, that's yep. the, electronically. Yep. You guys can use your own imagination on that one. Yeah, it um, looks a whole lot like Flex's uh, avatar. <laughs> right on cue. Uh, nicely done there, Grant. Uh, it's a good thing uh, we, we lost 10 minutes. It's a good, we have a five game, we got a five game slate, so we have time for nonsense. We have time for losing 10 minutes, uh, and maybe we'll have time for nonsense at the end of the show. Who knows? We, of course, like to uh, have some interaction with the chat. If you guys have some questions, we'll knock those out as fast as possible or as many as possible. We'll squeeze them all in. Whatever we don't get in, if you guys are pre members, of course, you know, you can always hit up crunch time. I believe it's Tuttle and Roth. Roth will knock out the weather, Tuttle will answer all your baseball related questions. So, Grant, this, uh, this slate tonight, I think it's pretty clear from a hitting perspective as far as what the chalk uh, is. We'll talk about the hitters in a second. I think it's clearly Rangers and Yankees. Uh, and then the, 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 that's kind of the top tiers or so. As far as the pitchers, though, uh, you know, overall picture, I am having uh, an issue. I'm having a difficult uh, – trying to figure out – separate Barrios from Corbin, from Bauer uh, – Lucchese is fine. Skaggs is fine. Hap is fine. Of course, on a two-pitcher slate, you got a roster two of these dudes, and you can't necessarily. You got to save some room for bats. Does anybody sort of separate themselves for you? Because for me, it's just like I'm not playing cash games. I'm just kind of rotating through the top pitchers, and hopefully, I hit the right combination, the right hitters. I guess that's what we try to do every night. But I, I don't feel fully confident, and I'm supposed to, of being on the show at all. That I can't sit there and tell you like Corbin's the best play, and that's it. Can you take a stand as far as the pitchers? Because I don't. I don't, that's not where I'm at right now. For cash, it's very, very clearly Corbin and either Bauer or Lucchese. Um, It's just that simple. You have enough money to afford it. There's a ton of mispricings on the slate. So it's not hard at all to afford both these guys, two of these guys, and well, one of the guys and Corbin. But Corbin's the just lock and load number one play uh, for cash. At least tournaments, it's an entirely different story because the ownership's going to be sky high. He's going up against the Padres team. K's all the way up and down. Grand, they're a lot better versus lefties than they are versus righties. But probably a 25%, 28% projected K rate lineup here. And Corbin's slightly worse versus righties than versus lefties. But it's in a good ballpark. They have a 3.75 implied team total. And that's incorporating in the fact that Washington's bullpen is trash. They're going to give Corbin a bit of a longer leash there, which is an upgrade on Lucchese. Um, so, yeah, it's very clearly Corbin number one. And then between Lucchese and Bauer, Bauer, there's a little bit more volatility there. Obviously, the strikeout upside is completely in play. He's going up against the Minnesota team where he struggles against lefty bats, but 
there are three good lefty bats at the top and he can walk some guys and there are a few walks in there, but these K's are there. He has good enough stuff to absolutely just mow through this lineup. It's today's MLB, no one's safe, but he's about as volatile as you can get with as much upside as he has. And then there's Lucchese who's going up against a bit of a weaker team here in the nationals and a good hitters ballpark with not bad hitting weather. So it's those three guys for cash and if you make an argument for anyone else, it's not a very good argument. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess my thought is, like, I don't necessarily love it from a cash game perspective. That's probably where I'd be at. I don't know how I feel about Lucchese uh, and his upside. He doesn't go very deep necessarily. And as far as the Ks against Washington, it's not uh, popping to be fire up the old plate. Like, you know, this is the projected lineup. We don't have the full lineup just yet, obviously, because uh, it's a West Coast game and they've not yet released it. But, you know, against left-handers, Turner uh, is pre- presumably going to lead off. He strikes out less than 11% of the time. Eaton's in the green if you fire up the plate IQ as far as striking out. Uh, Rendon as well. Uh, Kendrick as well is kind of a contact guy. Collectively, 18.8%. That's not this huge number that pops. Uh, Lucchese uh, under 26%, which is pretty good. You break it down as far as lefties versus righties, though. Um, you know, versus lefties over 30% versus righties 24.5%, which, again, is fine. Uh, but this Washington team doesn't strike out a ton. But he's, And, again, he doesn't go very deep either, like, Best case scenario, you get six, which, again, perfectly fine. That's if things are going well. Uh, Bauer is the tricky one for me. And I know you mentioned Bauer there. And I, I just don't really want to pick on Minnesota because they're just some boppers there. And, like, if you again, if you fire up the plate IQ, uh, Grant, as far as the ISO for Minnesota, like, almost everybody pops in the green, which is scary. That's pretty daunting. Same deal with the Woba as well, for the most part, especially the top of the order. Uh, and as far as striking out, we're looking at, what, 18.3% because look who's in the lineup, La Tortuga. Uh, you know, we don't want to see him, the turtle. Uh, he's going to make contact. He's not going to strike out, uh, which, again, hurts the upside for a guy like Bauer. But you got to roster two of these dudes. And you mentioned his walk issue. Uh, two guys at the top, Kepler and Polanco, are perfectly fine with taking the walk. They both uh, walk with 12.1% and 10.4%. And that's been kind of an issue of late as far as Bauer. But I think from an upside perspective, in theory, it's supposed to be Bauer. But again, 18.3% collectively, Grant. Uh, that's not a very appealing number as far as striking out. And they have power. That's okay. So 18.3% is slightly misleading because of a studio. He's there at the bottom. So he only he's going to really only account for a very small part of the at-bats since he's batting ninth. Uh, less than and all other guys in all likelihood. But he doesn't walk. He... Does not walk 1.3% walk rate versus righty since the beginning of last year, which is going to take a huge amount of relief off of Bauer here. Uh, so, like, he's just kind of uh, probably out. I mean, he's going to get a hit one in every, I don't know, four at bats. So, realistically, you're getting an average of a point every single at bat from him. And he's not going to be, he'll, I mean, he'll foul some stuff off, but he's not going to account for too much in terms of pitch count or in terms of run. Uh, accounting for so looking at Bauer and the fact that he's allowed to go late into games a studio kind of sways that a different direction yeah I mean, I mean he probably sees him like he might it might be his last at bat like the, the 27 battery faces or something like that <clears throat> he's probably not going to see Kepler for a fourth time depending on things are going obviously but uh, I'd say it's pretty reasonable like obviously you want the guys that strike out less at the bottom of the order that's more appealing but um, if he only sees all studio twice that means he's not necessarily uh, being all that efficient, or maybe he gets pulled in 25 or 26 hitters. Uh, and again, you got to roster two of these guys. I fired up uh, the bat from Cardi. Uh, he, he currently has uh, Corbin and Bauer like neck and neck as far as a projection. 
just around 20 points or so uh, on fantasy draft. This is like, uh, that's kind of like their average projection. Uh, then we have Skaggs next, and then Barrios, and then Hap, and then you talk about Lucchese, he's six there. But again, uh, well, depending on where you're shopping, Hap is a little bit cheaper. Uh, he, he has a decent shot of getting the W, right? But we'll take the four points for the win, won't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with getting the win, but realistically, I mean, it's uh, when you fully incorporate it, Yankees two to one favorites to win. That's not necessarily going to come while Haps in the game. He probably has a ten percent more chance of getting the win than most of the other guys on the slate. So it's, you're getting point four extra points here. I don't incorporate wins that much unless it's an extreme. Uh, win probability like minus 300 yeah there is some power in the toronto side but there is also plenty of k's as well uh sogar you know turned to a pumpkin it's midnight whatever you want to call he's turned into like the account we all knew he was nerd power only can go so far uh even he's striking out too which again this is the guy used to make some contact he's striking out more than like 22.4 percent uh gritchick at 27 percent uh Oh, wait, am I looking at? Yeah, okay, a 30% for Drury. Molly at the bottom is pretty terrible. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez has got some power, but he's not hitting it. He's striking out. So 23.6% uh, collectively. Half is not this big strikeout K guy, obviously. 24.9% the last two years. And if you break it down as far as left versus right, he's actually striking out more righties for what it's worth at 25.5%, but he's giving up a lot more power. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a more of a... Uh, uh, greater chance of giving up homers, but also a greater chance of striking dudes out. Uh, if you look at the last two years uh, for what it's worth. Uh, there's, I think there's, so there's no reason that Hap should be striking out righties at that much more significant of a clip than he is versus lefties. It's not a big enough sample size. It's 66 at bats. Um, no, no, it, no, it's 793. So are you talking about the last two years? Yeah, last two seasons. Yeah, I'm stressing that data out, man. I want as much data as possible. Yeah, but the two net, 212, I mean, just look at the pitches he throws in his arm angle. He throws a heavy slider, and yes, he does throw a sinker more to lefties than to righties, but the slider has a is a better punch-out pitch. That's his punch-out pitch to lefties, and it hasn't really accounted for too much this season. You look in the 793 pitch sample size or play appearance sample size versus righties compared to 212 to lefties. Realistically, he's probably close to neutral when it comes to strikeouts going from one side of the plate to the other, but he is more against righties than he is versus lefties. He's going to give up more hard contact. He's going to give up more fly balls to righties than he is to lefties, but the strikeouts, like you don't really incorporate that as a big factor, what side of the plate it is when determining a strikeout upside. Yeah, 100% as far as, like, the potential downside. Because, like you're saying, the fly ball difference, lefty on lefty, 27%. Righty, uh, righty versus righties, 45.7%, which is – that's too high. And, like you said, the ISO doubles, more than doubles. Uh, it's .088 versus lefties, and it's 210 versus, uh, versus righties. Woba, same deal, 325 over versus righties, 256 versus lefties, which is really solid. So, I'm just saying, like, he has shown the ability to strike righties out, basically. And there are some righties in this lineup that will strike out. And he is cheaper. Uh, and I think he's got a decent shot at the W. So I'm, I'm going to have some hat for what it's worth. Uh, but I, I mean, if money wasn't a thing, I'd play Bauer in front of him. I'd play, I'd play Corbin in front of him. Uh, I think I would play half in front of Lucchese. I'm not going to do no beer bet on that. I'm here trying to lock me in. You know, I'm an adult. What about, what about a Hess versus half? Yes, <laughs> I will take half versus Hess. Oh, beer bet it is. Oh, the gosh. gas station. Uh, no, the, S isn't nearly as bad as you think he is. 
Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, he, he, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's a, the name of a gas station where you're from, at least it was where I was. And uh, the dude's a gas can. And I know he's been, if you look at the numbers as far as this season, uh, let's go ahead and fire him up in 55 innings. And I suppose like he's been unlucky to some degree, uh, 21% a homer to fly ball rate there, Grant, but he averages over three homers per nine, which is just silly. Uh, obviously a 7.36 ERA, but like the XFIP is 5.73, which is not good. Uh, and a 5.21 Sierra as well. You're telling me you think, well, you're just going to just try to have some fun, right? You don't really think that like, Hess is in play tonight, do you? No, I, I mean, no, Hess is in play. Hess is absolutely in play. It's a five-game slate with a very volatile Bauer who's going to demand a ton of ownership and a, like, bad spot for Corbin. Like, Corbin it could completely get blown up here. Skaggs is in one of the worst possible spots since he's going up against a whole bunch of righties that don't strike out at a high rate versus lefties in a flight and he gives up a bunch of fly balls to him. He's in a not great ballpark for home runs. You got to realize that baseball is very volatile. What happened in the Texas game last night? Granted, it was lefties to throw more strikeouts. But what happened last night, Dean? Dude, I don't I, – I get the did, men in did, black one, Did man. Vargas – All I uh, care about broke, tonight. Yeah, that's fine. But Vargas at the Giants, though, in, in, in Met Stadium, wherever it's called. That's fine. That's fine. What happened with, what happened with the Rangers last night in the same remember. stadium? They scored one run in regulation. <laughs> it went overtime? Extra innings? Extra innings, yeah. I believe I, it did. I honestly don't remember. I, I, yeah, because nothing happened to that game because the pitcher shut him down, including the horrific bullpens of both teams. Oh, yeah, the Shields had a walk-off, if I'm not mistaken. That's what happens. Yeah, now you remember. Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I feel like they scored more than one run, though. I think you're, you're skewing that uh, the score, whatever it was. I don't recall. Do you want to do a beer bet on it? They only scored I, one run in... It was like 4-3 or something like that. Wasn't that the final? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, you know what can happen in extra innings? The <laughs> team at the top of the inning can score runs, and then the team at the bottom of the inning can score more runs than them. That's how uh, extra innings work. Did you know that? We're not doing the screen share right now, Graham. It was 1-2, FY. It ended 1-2. You're saying one first? It was one. What was the final in the game? 1-2? to 1-2 two? One to two in 13 innings. <laughs> Okay. Somebody called this on me. I, I went to that before and like they never let me hear the end of it. I think it was Pepsi that gave me a hard time because I said the, the lower score first. But uh, yeah, uh, we're not doing the screen share right now. We'll do the screen share later. We'll be fire up the plate IQ on, on Hess. You know, you know how like it's, it's dummy proof. Idiots like me can figure it out. Green is good. Red is bad. Uh, you look at the, the stats for Hess. Everything is bad. Everything. It's all red with the exception of like his line drive percentage. And he gives up medium contact. That's at a decent rate. Yeah, otherwise it's a disaster. I mean, honestly, not having Chew in the lineup. Or Gallo. Not, yeah, Chew or Gallo kind of limits its upside a little bit. But this is still baseball. Fly balls are fly balls. They can either go out of the park or they're probably going to be in out. It's that simple. So variance has a huge thing to do with, thing, with everything. Hess, five innings, potentially getting out with one to two earned runs at 4.5k he's going to completely change the lineup construction for everything you're going to get your high owned or high price bats at way lower ownership everyone's going bauer everyone's going corbin and after that they're going to go lucchese and they're going to go with hat granted if your argument is price he's eight four on fantasy draft he's four two for a pitcher like most of your hitters are more expensive than Hess, basically if that's right, is two thousand dollars almost more expensive than him on fantasy draft. Yes, he's a better play. <laughs> he won't get negative. 
I mean, he very well might end up with more points, but Hess could outscore him by 20. Yeah, that, 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 I suppose that's true. I, I suppose it's possible in the realm of possibilities. It's uh, happened before on a, one of Hess's starts. Well, everything's happened before. What hasn't happened before? Like, we can always do that. A guy hasn't hit a home run backwards. <laughs> Edwin Jackson once threw a no-hitter. Does that mean you're playing Edwin Jackson tonight? Yeah, he's Mike it. Byers. Mike, between Mike Byers and Edwin Jackson, they've thrown three no-hitters. Yeah, so but Edwin Jackson had eight walks in that. Um, he did. <laughs> yeah. Hess doesn't walk a whole lot of guys, so when everything comes down to Babbitt, literally anything can happen from A to Z. Someone, a terrible, Mike Fires is throwing a no-hitter, and he gives up enough hard contact and enough fly balls. So I, we've seen the Red Sox get a no-hitter against him, but this is all realms of possibility. You're playing probability. Hess is in play at almost no ownership. They'll allow you to get the bats that completely can change your lineup construction to different to everyone else on a five-game slate could absolutely happen, and Hess could end up with 20 points. What about Skaggs? Skaggs is an interesting scenario. He's not a terrible real-life pitcher, but this is a terrible matchup here. Uh, Oakland against lefties, I believe they're striking out at a lower rate than anyone in the league. They platoon a lot of guys and throw in Pinder, throw in Canha, who are great versus lefties. Skaggs against righties so far this season, 45% hard contact rate, fly ball rate at 37.5%. Yes, he strikes him out at a decent clip, but again, they strike out at one of the lowest rates in the league, 13.4% so far on the season. The only team that's better at not striking out versus lefties, I think, might be the Angels, or no, Angels are behind him. Um, so yeah, Skaggs is a fine pitcher. Anything can happen. I'm probably going to avoid it. The time I would play Skaggs is if the A's were going to be a higher-owned lineup, but they're going to be decently high-owned because of their price tags, but they're not going to be over, like, through the roof in terms of ownership. Skaggs probably will end up with around 14 points with the potential of actually having negative points here. So There's, there's a – I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. I thought I thought you were stopped. I thought that was a natural breaking point. I, was I just got excited. I, I wanted to cut you off because uh, just wonder, I don't want to alarm you or anything. You know Crane? You're aware of Eric Crane? You might know yeah. such things as a serious satellite radio. He wants one a million bucks too, but uh, he, he actually agrees with you with Hess. Does that make you change? Uh, you want to reevaluate things? I mean, no. Apparently, he's a smart guy. All right, fair enough. I, I, you, if your argument is that Texas's lineup is weak and like he can kind of like you know meander his way to 12 points or 10 points and survive, and you know obviously he opens up the world as far as the hitters. I get that. Uh, I, I don't think that's the worst argument in the world. But to say he's a good pitcher. He's not, but like anybody throwing baseballs can survive. That's just how it goes down sometimes. Uh, you hit the ball hard and just it's just caught in the wrong spot. Uh, but like there's 10 guys throwing baseballs, and we have to talk about all of them. They're all worth mentioning because, you know, hey, five games slate, you can't just completely ignore dudes. But uh, I'm ignoring Ajax. I just can't imagine playing Ajax or Gerardo. Uh, no interest in Gerardo on my end, I don't think. Uh, Baltimore's not very good, obviously. The ballpark's negative. But <sighs> did you have any thoughts as far as those guys? Or are we crossing them out? I mean, Gerardo's a little bit of a tough scenario. I don't – like, I'm, every single pitcher is in play today. It's a five-game slate. Everyone outside of Edwin is in play. Gerardo's one of the hardest guys to make the case for because he's around 13K. The likelihood that he outscores Fires or any of the other guys by enough of an amount to, like, crush your chances of – winning a GPP without him is very unlikely. Hess changes the way that you build your lineup. So there's an argument to be made for him, but he gets enough ground balls. Like he's not a horrible real life pitcher. 
but he he's he's still not great and I don't see a huge amount of upside granted he is going up against a bunch of guys in this Baltimore lineup that strike out at a good high clip but I don't know he's in play he's just he's not going to make my list I, I'll probably end up playing him before I play fires though yeah, I mean, and Herodo's had a pretty good ERA this year, if you care about ERA and things of that sort. But, of course, the, uh, you know, the, the XFIP of the Sierra suggests that impending doom to some degree is coming. He's been pretty lucky uh, from a, you know, a bad perspective. It's just, you know, it's kind of, you go through the numbers. The home of the fly ball is not particularly high either. Um, yeah, Crane, yeah, Crane's going to be on serious in 30 minutes, apparently. So he'll be uh, – Yeah, stealing all my stuff. Well, I was going to say my – yeah, he's stealing your S confidence. <laughs> and steal, stealing stuff from you is like stealing, I don't know, something from a very poor person. I don't know. Bad analogy. That's, I mean, that uh, ra- this is where you would say raz. Like, Razzed. <laughs> if it was a better raz, I would have said it, but I couldn't think of anything that. Summarize the arms for me. Uh, what else? Is there anything else that's worth saying here as far as what you're prioritizing? Barrios is the better pivot off of Bauer, Corbin, Lucchesi in tournaments. Barrios has just as high of a chance of having a big night as those guys with significantly less ownership. I will not argue with playing Corbin, Bauer, Lucchesi in tournaments or Hap. Just I think Barrios is going to be the guy that comes in with the lowest amount of ownership. I like Hess as a way to completely differentiate your lineup in giant field tournaments. If you want just the most likely outcome of a large amount of points, it's going to be Bauer, it's going to be Corbin, it's going to be Lucchesi, and it's going to go half. But the way that the MLB works nowadays is things are not linear. There's a higher variety of outcomes based on the juice balls. And when you incorporate ownership in it, it's no longer a great idea to just go with a chalk pitcher unless it's something like Sale or Scherzer, who most of the time are not going to end up with a very low, with a under 20 game. And I mean, we've seen it with DeGrom before, though. But they will kill you like last night when they have a 50-point out. Hey, after last night, you know what Chris Sale's one-loss record is? I love the one-loss truth. It's like, it's, I hate when the announcers just, like, just it's insulting to the audience. Do you know what Chris Sale's uh, one-loss record is? I mean, I'm uh, framing this in a way where it's going to be stupid. Two and seven. Um, yeah. yeah two and seven. Did you see this someplace? It's two and seven. You're correct. Uh, some some real dick on Twitter posted about it last night. <laughs> I'm going to start following that jerk. Uh, yeah, I mean, from your Landa account. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, every once in a while you post, you, you tweet from the uh, the raw the, the burner, and it's it's a whole mess. Uh, Katie can tell you all about it. Uh, as far as the sticks, as far as the bats, Grant, uh, who were the pieces that were kind of building lineups around? Um, for stacks, I mean, Texas and the Yankees are going to be the very very obvious ones. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty clear that they're in the best spots. I mean. Even if Hess has a decent outing, the Baltimore bullpen's trash, and they they used too many of their good arms last night. So after Hess is out of the game, then the bad bullpen arms are going to happen. And if Hess gets in a little bit of a def- deficit, then we could see some potential position players throwing out there, including maybe Chris Davis. Who knows? Um, He's done it before. Yeah, no, he has. Uh, but, yeah, the Yankees and Texas Rangers are going to be so heavy chalk because it's a five-game slate and we only have two good spots. Behind them, it's the Angels, and it's those three teams that we're talking about raw points. Where I'm going in bigger field tournaments is going to be Oakland, the Padres, and the Twins, probably. Um, Twins hit home runs better than anyone. Good all the way up and down. Bauer obviously has some issues right now that could very easily turn 
into him getting destroyed by the Twins, considering the Twins can destroy anyone. Corbin going to be super shocked. It's a great correlation play, and all of these Padres bats have tons of power. I mean, just looking at the hard contact rates all the way up and down this Padres lineup versus lefties, it's ridiculous. Uh, we'll start off with Reyes is only at 38%. That's uh, Considering his home runs, that's a little bit off. But Myers, 66%. Machado, 66%. 41 from Hosmer, 48 from Renfro, um, 40, 71 from Tatis. I think that's too small of a sample that's size. A small sample, yeah. Yeah, Kinsler, Hedges, all of them can hit lefties very hard. Granted, Corbin's a bit more of a ground ball guy, but a lot of these guys hit decent amount of fly balls So, and a lot of line drives. I'm less worried about it. I think that Corbin has the potential to get blown up here. I really like the Padres stack in tournaments. But do we have the stack or we can just like two, three, two? Like how do we pick our favorite couple bats on a couple teams? Uh, do you feel like obligated to stack? Uh, what's your or is it, it's case dependent as far as the it, it's entirely dependent on the size of the slate, the size of the GPP, which site you're playing on. Um, on DraftKings, you don't need a stack. Uh, over on FanDuel, stacking is kind of a requirement because runs, RBIs are worth more and comparison to everything else plus walks are worth more so finding a guy that's wild potentially like raises your chance of a higher ceiling and you just you just do it it's that simple um yeah DraftKings though it's more about home runs and getting high upside with pitching dollar for dollar who's one of your favorite hitters in the slate before we break it down uh by position um i'm guessing you want the two that are probably up on the screen yeah, right i was now. trying to prompt you man Devin like put a lot of hard work in it he made, I made a little screenshot for you this is where you get he stops with the multitasking as far as copying and pasting questions on YouTube. And right now I imagine there's a picture of like Otani above our heads or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Otani is the top overall play on the entire slate, not in factoring in ownership. Um, but even with ownership, I'm going to be way over the field here. Otani absolutely just mashes the ball when he hits it. He's going up against Byers, who is a pretty big fly ball guy. Um, he's playing away from his home ballpark, which is massive. They got him in there because it's, he plays perfectly for um, the Coliseum. But he's over in Angel Stadium, a lot better for home runs this year. You look at the pitch type that he's going against. Since 2016, fastballs at around what uh, Fires throws fastballs at. Otani has an 839 Woba. Not a huge sample size, but that's fine. Looking at his changeup, I believe. They throws 24% of the time. Otani has a, where is it? A 399 Woba. And looking at his curveball, which he throws a lot, Otani has a 470. What are you looking at here? Are you looking at plate IQ? Plate IQ since Otani's been in the league. And he has over a, a 399 Woba against all three of those pitch types. It's good, good spot. Fires is not going to strike him out, which is something we worry about considering Otani's 22% K rate a little bit. But He's a ground ball guy. And so going up against a fly ball pitcher, it's fantastic. He's only priced at 7.2K over on fantasy draft here. I love Otani tonight. He's my favorite play on the entire slate. And my second favorite play that's going to come in at a lot lower ownership than he should is Machado, who has a 528 ISO and a 573 Woba so far this season. He's hitting the ball at a 66% hard contact rate. He's good. We all know he's good. And 6.4K over on Fantasy Draft is way too low of a price. Plus, you have the correlation of the fact that Corbin is going to be the highest owned pitcher over there. So I love Machado. I love Otani. And if you don't want to play Otani and want a guy at lower ownership, you can go with Fran Reyes. 
You could play Otani, uh, Machado, and Hess, and then like roster every uh, expensive pitcher uh, hitter you want. Yeah, yeah, you could. It's up Don't give away my lineups. <laughs> uh, and like you know, it's, yeah, I, I don't really dig that deep as far. I know that's that information's out there. If you guys ever uh, jump on the, the, the plate IQ, if you're if you're uh, premium members, I I'm not fully sold. Like I don't know if it's a thing. I don't know if it's not a thing as far as like digging out like this guy's great versus fastballs. This guy's great versus curveballs. I feel like it's kind of sort of somewhat noisy and not all curveballs the same. Not all sliders the same. And that's something I'm curious what Cardi has to say about that as far as how noisy that may or may not be. And I'm not saying it's not a thing. I don't know. And I, it's interesting. And I hear people talk about it a lot of times in small, it's small samples too. And well, like this pitcher throws sliders 25% of the time, this guy rakes on sliders. So we might see like one slider. I don't know. It's like, I don't know what to do with that. It's, it's more important than anything. You have to know exactly how different pitches affect different sides of the plate and where it can create more reverse splits. I rely on it more halfway through the season, trying to figure out how pitchers have changed mechanics and how realistically that should be uh, affecting how they pitch. Like Hap, just looking at his pitch types, he throws a slider fairly often. And what is it, a curveball versus lefties more, which realistically should cause a bunch more strikeouts versus lefties than versus righties his pitch type just makes it that way but obviously this year he's only striking out lefties at a 16.7 percent rate compared to a 22.6 percent rate versus righties i'm expecting it to rest more towards the mean around 22 percent for lefties and 22 percent for righties giving them a slight uptick in overall strikeout ability based on which opponent he's facing yeah i'd like to do this in the screen chair and just kind of like pull the page up and you kind of narrate over it to show the people maybe are you, are you up for doing that grant later yeah. yeah i'm fine it's a five game slate we got well, we only have 19 minutes somehow. I know. I don't know. Where did all the time go? We were talking about, about Nick Cage, and all of a sudden we got uh, uh, 19 minutes left to go. But uh, all right, let's talk about catchers. Pretty clear that, you know, Gary Sanchez jumps off the board. You don't have to roster a catcher in fans draft. You certainly can roster Gary Sanchez. All the power in the world there. Positive, uh, you know, positive ballpark against EJAC. Well, well, as far as you know, not the best ballpark in comparison to the Yankee Stadium, but still it's a fine ballpark. And you're facing Edwin Jackson, who's just been uh shellac like good for him for coming back like for his 15th team or whatever it is and still he's pitched on like four or five i don't know four continents he's picks all around the world uh and again all the all the props but he's just getting pummeled who knows how much longer he'll stick around if you have the money if you're rostering hess you might have enough the money for gary sanchez uh what are you doing as far as catcher um it's gary sanchez if you have the money if you don't have the money, it becomes a little bit a little bit tougher. Honestly, I don't hate just punting with hedges. Again, he's probably going to get two to three innings against that terrible Washington bullpen. Um, Corbin, a lot worse versus righties than versus lefties. I'm mostly rounding out, rounding out my stacks or making all my way all the way up to Sanchez for cash uh, just because there's a whole bunch of low-price bats pretty much in every single game. I mean – I'm just going to name like eight low price bats that you can play in your lineups that are fantastic plays that are not catchers or catcher has no low price guys. Machado, Otani, Chris Davis, Matt Olson, Chapman is a little bit too cheap. Eaton is not the worst idea in the world at 7.5K, even going against Lukesic is not going to go that late into the game. Fran Mill Reyes is a good play. We have Kipnis at 5.7K over on Fantasy Draft. Just those guys alone allow you to easily fit in two top tier pitchers and Gary Sanchez into your lineup. So use those guys and get a – oh, and also Jose Ramirez, which we'll get to later. But use those guys and fit in an actual good catcher because everything else is trash. 
Yeah, I I agree. Uh, and you know, it, it's it's just a dart throw as far as the other catchers outside of Sanchez. I'm like, you know, it's just a better dart throw as far as Sanchez. He's well positioned. He's aiming at a, a, a bigger target, obviously. Uh, first base, what are we doing? It's much more loaded there, obviously. You got, you got Luke Boyd against Ejax. You got uh, Kenny's Morales if you want to spend down. Uh, anybody else that uh, – well, what, what are you doing at first? Are you looking at the Yankees, or is somebody else kind of jumping out for you? For cash, it's 100% the Yankees. For tournaments, you – there's a little bit – there's not a problem with playing Yankees over on DraftKings at first base because Voight and Morales are both very good options. They allow you to have something at the top and the bottom tier and they're going to take away from each other's ownership. So the ownership on either of them isn't going to be nearly as drastic as it should be. So Morales or Voight are the two ways to go. Um, both of them have the potential to take one out of the park here. So I'm fine with both of them outside of them. I don't mind Will Myers at all. Like I said, I think it's 66% hard hit rate going up against Corbin. There's a correlation based on the fact that he's going against the chalkiest pitcher, Matt Olson, lefty, lefty, people are going to stay away, but Matt Olson is way too cheap. Those are the guys that I'm rolling with. Or if you want to go off of Olson, you can also use him in the outfield. Canna is not a bad idea. Yeah, we don't have the lineup just yet, but I presume both of those guys are probably crack it. Keystone position, second base, what do you have for me? You mentioned Kipnis as a cheapie before if you want to save some salary. What if you don't have to save salary? Who's your favorite second baseman? Um, if you don't have to save salary, that, that, honestly, it's tough. I don't really want to play up, pay up at second. Hanser Alberto, a little bit less to worry about in terms of his upside when he's going up against a ground ball guy because he's not a guy that's going to hit the ball out of the park. He has a great bat, but he doesn't strike out. So the ball being put in play in good weather is just going to fly better, and he's going to have a higher bat. Hanser is decent enough here. You don't have a huge amount of upside fires. Lestella, like, that's fine. Lestella is somehow hitting the ball out of the park every single time here. Santana's. Santana's playing over in Texas. Maybe he's going to hit from the right side. Maybe he's going to hit the left side. It's probably better off hitting from the right side. But he's 5.1K. He's going to go low-owned, even going against Hess, even in great weather, because people are going to try and get slightly cheaper bats here. But I'm rounding out my stack with second base, or I'm playing, paying all the way down with Kipnis or Pender. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Santana, and that price is pretty egregious. Of course, the matchup against Hess is great. He's batting second in a positive ballpark, but – um, you know, for tournaments, who cares about the price? And sometimes it's almost a good thing when a guy is is overpriced. So I don't mind him for tournaments. He's definitely not the cash game play. And if you're locking, if you want to spend up on a guy like Sanchez, Kipnis, like you mentioned, is super, super cheap. I don't really want to pick on Jose Barrios, but hey, it's a, it's a five-game slate. You kind of kind of like a, you're not going to necessarily love your lineup. Nothing's going to be perfect per se. Uh, Hot Carter, third base. I know you mentioned you like Machado as far as the price. Obviously, again, don't really want to pick on Corbin, but it's kind of baked into the price. It's pretty cheap. And at San Diego ballpark, as far as power, it's better for righties than it is for lefties for what it's worth. Uh, give me the hot corner. And you also, you mentioned Jose Ramirez is another cheapie. And once again, it's not me have heard it before. Who wants to pick on Barrios? And of course we know Ramirez has been mostly trash this year, but again, baked into the price, pretty cheap. Uh, third base. What are we looking at? So yeah, there's those two guys that are just perpetually underpriced because father been performing this year, Machado and Ramirez. Both two of the best plays on the entire slate. You can get both of them to your lineup over on DraftKings. They're both cash game stables of mine over on Fantasy Draft because there's no positional scarcity. I don't mind Guerrero going up against Hap. Again, it's not bad. Like, it's not a bad spot. Toronto's had more home runs this year than any other ballpark, I think, in the entire majors. Going up against Hap, who's a guy that is worse versus righties than versus lefties, is going to regress more towards fly balls and hard contact to righties and a slower strikeout rate versus righties. So Hap is very much like a guy that can give up a bomb and Guerrero is probably going to be moderately under-owned. We can go with Ursula over in uh, the Yankees game. 
I'm not a big fan of it, but people are going to be on it. You can go with LeMahieu over there just because they're in a high total game. Cabrera just because they're in a high total game. You don't really get a huge amount of power out of those guys. It's a good matchup, but it's not worth going with those guys considering how much ownership you're going to be eating. Rendon is a guy that I love for GPPs. Yeah. is a decent enough pitcher, but he's only going to be in there for a low amount of time. The bullpen for San Diego is fine, but what I like about Rendon is Lucchesi, big ground ball guy versus lefties, but also gives or versus righties, but also gives up a decent amount of power and doesn't give up a whole lot of soft contact. So Rendon, a guy that hits a 51% fly ball rate versus lefties and has a bunch of power and is very good and is going to be low owned just because of how high priced he is. If you're going off the high priced pitcher, it's not going to be hard to fit him into your lineup. Uh, um, let me ask you, did you say that the, I must've misheard you. You said the Blue Jays, Crane's throwing me off in chat. I got, I got, I got derailed. He said something completely egregious, uh, as Crane is one to do. Well, well, never mind. I'm getting derailed once again. Did you say the, uh, the Blue Jays are in the lead as far as home runs in the league? Is that what you said? Or no, I said, uh, the Rogers center is giving, has more home runs this year than any other ballpark in the majors. Okay. Yeah. That, that, okay. I must've. With Coffin's on there too. So obviously it's not entirely accurate. Coffin's just had good weather, but, um, Toronto is historically a good hitter's ballpark coffins in the top like uh five this year so far? i think they're number three wow that's surprising uh well okay uh shortstop knock it out shortstop lindor going against barrios barrios obviously much worse versus lefties and versus righties has just okay numbers this year even though he's had some good outings and he's a guy that's historically worse on the road here so lindor probably not going to get the most ownership in the world andres going to be the obvious guy that everyone goes with fade him um, he could get a home run, but it's not worth eating 20% ownership here. Um, Fernando Tati's just 4.9K is a lot to pay, but he's going to go 1% own, and the guy crushes the ball. He has a 71% hard hit rate versus lefties. Again, Corbin gives up enough hard contact to righties that he can easily take one out of the ballpark. He's going to be batting probably 6th, if he's in the lineup here, so I don't mind using him. Machado, we already talked about. I'm not going to say anymore. Just play him, even if he's at decent ownership. People are going to go on Simeon. Don't don't play Simeon. I mean, Simeon's fine. He often gets a whole bunch of ownership, considering everyone believes that all these Oakland guys can hit bombs, which is true. And Simeon's going to be batting first, but he doesn't have all the power. Like I'm more about Pender, Chapman, Davis, Olsen, Piscotty, Canna. All these guys are way more likely to hit a home run here. Just pay slightly less for Machado and stack it up some other way because all these other bats are more likely ones to hit a home run. We've talked about several outfields already so far. Otani, of course, you've touched on as far as he's too cheap in the outfield. Uh, Trout, he's not going to be hiding out of five-game slate. Of course, he is in play. Uh, Hicks versus Ejax is definitely on the board. I don't mind Frazier. Cam Maven is just a hard roster, but I suppose. Uh, you get Grichik pretty cheap against Hap. He seems a little bit, he's always a little bit underpriced. It seems batting clean up there versus Jay Hap. Uh, who knows how long he'll be sticking around either. Delano the Shield's probably better play on Fandle, where he's like still 2-4-2-5. He's, uh, what, 4K on DK, like 8K uh, on fantasy draft. Don't mind Mazzara against Hess. Hess is going to give up a homer, possibly two. Uh, that's some outfielders for you. Uh, clean it up. What else? Uh, I know you mentioned Pinder a couple times. We're presuming he'll crack the lineup there against the lefty. Decent chance he gets a good lineup spot, too. And Chris Davis. Both Chris Davises are in play today, which is, uh, there you go, for your narrative lineups, I suppose. Do you have a Baltimore lineup just yet? No, we don't. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. That seems like that should be out, but I'm not sure what the holdup is. Give me some outfielders, Grant. 
Otani, top overall play on the entire slate. I keep saying it. I don't care what he's owned. It doesn't matter to me. He's probably going to hit two home runs. Chris Davis, another guy that you could potentially fade because of ownership. He isn't in a lower total game, but he's still going to draw 20% ownership. He's coming back from injury. He's been all right since then, but he's not a guy that you have to go out of your way. I would absolutely roster him in tournament or in cash, but in tournaments, he's a fine stay away. You can throw in Pinder and Canha, get guys that are just as likely to hit a home run almost, but are going to come in at drastically lower ownership. There's Keon Broxton, who is one of the few guys I absolutely love. Going up against a low-K guy, Grandy hits a lot of, gets a lot of ground balls, but he has the ability to hit out of the ballpark every single time. He's going to be horribly low-owned because he's right above Davis and Otani, so I don't mind him. Framil Reyes, Renfro, already said I love the Padres today. Padres are going to be probably my favorite stack. Uh, if you want to go up top, Trout, from just a raw number standpoint, is going to be the top overall play. And he's going to be owned like it. Everyone's going to play Trout. That's he's going to be the main spin up because of all the spin downs, and he's going to be a staple in everyone's cash game laps. In tournaments, you pivot over to Pence one hundred percent of the time. Pence is going up against Hess. Hess is a guy that throws a slider, throws a fastball a lot against lefties. He has a decent changeup and a decent curveball that'll throw quite a bit, which will limit the hard contact, limit the home runs. But versus righties, he is getting crushed. Sliders is out pitch. It's not great. And he gives up a ton of hard contact, ton of fly balls to righties, 60% 47%. Righties are what you're scared of with Hess, not lefties. Plus, he's going to get the Baltimore bullpen. No one wants to play Pence because he's old is name an old thing. And he's so high priced, but he has a 283 ISO versus righties so far this year. And this is a perfect spot for him to hit the ball out of the park. Love Pence today. Yeah, he uh, pulled a Ponce de Leon this year. Pence has been awesome. You know, like, he's playing like it's freaking 2010 or something like that. Uh, he's still riding a scooter to the ballpark back in the day. Uh, I'm having the chat load up some questions for us, Grant. If you can fire up like you were talking before as far as a screen share, uh, let's take a peek as far as what you're talking about as far as the plate IQ. What, what, what pitcher matchup were you looking at? Or is there something you want to focus on as far as a pitch, a, a pitch type that I should show the people so, here? So we can look at half. This is just going to be the easiest one because okay. it's very – like kind of explainable what is happening. You look at numbers versus lefties, 307 Woba compared to 350. That's normal. The ISO 115 compared to 269. But you look at all the other underlying numbers here, strikeouts don't really match up to what they should be versus lefties compared to righty. 22.6% compared to 16.7. Are you looking at two-year sample size or one-year sample size? I want the bigger sample. I don't know why it automatically defaulted to this season, but I should have stretched it out for the last two seasons. That's my bad. Uh, yeah, I just we, it over to the last two seasons. Yeah, we look at it compared to last season, 212 play appearance, a 22.6% K rate. Honestly, that's brought down quite a bit considering about one-third of the sample size is this year, which is at 16%. So you look back to last year, you don't need to change it on your screen. You look back to just last year, 25.9% K rate compared to 26.4%. Go down to pitch type. Mm -hmm. and check it out for these two years and you'll see what he throws so sliders are way better for strikeouts going up against lefty dominant or same-handedness dominance and sinkers are better for same-handedness hence you see that he's throwing a slider 28 percent of the time versus lefties compared to 10 percent of the time versus righties same thing with sinker drastically higher versus lefties than righties change-ups are meant for reverse splits pitcher that's why I like Hess is throwing his change up more and it's doing better versus the opposite handedness. So you see, that's not really much of a strikeout pitch unless it's a very good one with a whole lot of drop. 
Um, hence, he only has an 18% whiff rate, which is not good. It's more about generating soft contact because it throws them off balance when the ball actually gets to the plate. So they're more likely to hit soft contact there. Maybe not always ground ball, depending on what the drop is and how it appears coming out of the hand, but it gets a lot more soft contact. And then curveballs, he doesn't really throw them. It's minuscule. It just occasionally does. Not really relevant right now. Right, you're in the zone right now. I gotta say, Crane said you're in the zone. I gotta, I gotta concede. You are in the, you're in the zone. You're crushing this. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just along for the ride. And just, you know, I, I, you're Jordan and I'm Pippen. I guess we should play LeBron because he's the best of all time. And I guess I'm. Uh, yeah, you, this guy gets it. Um, I mean, Boban's the best of all time. Just look at plus minus, and it's very obvious. <laughs> there is heat maps to dig into. Okay, that's just one thing you get if you guys have RG Premium. Uh, not just the, the full plate IQ. You get the lineup HQ. You get cheese and musings. You get the expert rankings. You get crunch time. You get Ross weather. You get Ross weather edge. You get Ross like minute by minute what's going down as far as weather on crunch time, ownership percentage, the premium podcast, the expert survey. Uh, and much, much more. I'm sure I'm missing something, but we do have to knock out some questions in chat, Grant. They are lining up. Uh, let's uh, knock out as many as we can, uh, what, five minutes or so? Uh, I, I want to pull up the umpire data in a second. They're asking about umpire data. I'm not sure. Oh, if gosh. Texas oh. has extreme hitter. Oh, boy. <laughs> Minnesota has extreme pitcher. Uh-oh. I mean, time to think everything. Honestly, it's extreme pitcher isn't going to help or help the bats nearly as much over in Texas. Extreme pitcher is something or extreme hitter is something we want for bats when it's a guy like Bauer who has some struggles with uh, Mm -hmm. control. Both the pitchers over in Baltimore, they throw strikes. All they're doing is relying on fly balls. So guys are going to be swinging constantly. It's more about generating ground ball contact. Does not hurt either of them nearly as much as it would hurt a guy that is all about pinpoint accuracy and consistency. Lightning round, uh, Lucroy and Pender versus Hedger, Hedges and Crush. That's uh, Davis from uh, from Oakland. Go Lucroy and Pender. Uh, let's For tournaments, see. at least it's cash the other way. Uh, Going to read that one. They're, they're having a fun conversation there in chat. Listella <laughs> or Vlad Guerrero? Uh, Listella's the one you want to go to for cash. I think it's Listella too. Uh, we've already seen that question. Sanchez or Rendon for tournaments? Uh, we we yes. like. Oh, man. It's, it's 100% rundown. Like in big field tournaments, in a 200-man tournament, you go with Sanchez. But in big field tournaments, it's rundown. So two cash game pitchers uh, on DK or fantasy draft. Who are Corbin they? and either Lucchesi or Bauer. It's not a bad idea to just chop them on today's slate. That's going to be really volatile with Corb- with Bauer. I think I would go Corbin and Bauer. Before those, I think you can get there with all the cheapies we talked about as well. It's not that hard to make that worth. Uh, make that work. Let's see. Any other? Uh, um, now, now I feel like I flew through way too fast. They're asking about Boban. Uh, I'm Bush Parker. Uh, someone asked about Grichik. He's fine on DK again. Yeah. Half's a guy that has a lot more fly balls, a lot more hard contact versus righties. And Grichik has the ability to take out a ballpark in a very good ballpark. Uh, Myers versus Otani. Myers versus Otani. Absolutely. Or Myers versus Otani. Otani is the, always the answer. Yeah. Uh, half versus Wade. Happ and Gerardo, as far as a pitching duo, I can't get to Gerardo. I can't do it. I mean, it's fine, honestly. The big pitcher's umpire. He has an ability to go later into the game. He's a big ground ball guy, so the weather isn't nearly as much of an effect on him as it is to Happ, who's an extreme fly ball pitcher. I'm honestly not starting to hate just looking at how ownership's going to be going out because of all the cheap bats and all the very high or the moderately high priced pitchers and the positional scarcity. So I. I'm starting to hate Gerardo less and less. Um, all right. I just can't think of that. That Rico Suave song is always in my head whenever I read his name. 
Uh, that's that's probably dates how old I am. Uh, Google it, kids. Do, do you know Rico Suave? You probably know Rico Suave, right? Rich I know Suave. Uncle Rico, but I guess I know Rico Suave. <laughs> like I can throw a football like it's nobody's business. Uh, Pender and Chapman, are you into those guys? You are, right? Uh, yeah, both. both. I l- always love Chapman, but uh, Pender and Chapman are fantastic plays today. Fandle really- Cash. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk over you. No, apologize. that's in. Go. Uh, Fandle Cash, Corbin versus Bauer. That's just like a coin toss, man. You know, I'm just going to answer all these. It's Corbin over over Bauer for Fandle Cash. Sanchez or Voight, you want to go Sanchez because of positional scarcity. Any Davis from Baltimore, I don't think I want to. It's a ground ball guy, and he's obviously not very good, even though he's picked it up since his struggle at the beginning of the season. Half or Skaggs, I'm going half. There's more upside in a high strikeout. Toronto lineup, Hess worth it for SP2. Yes, it completely changes roster construction here. And we probably got to get out of here. Nina, uh, we have a minute or so, actually. You flew right Friday. I'm just, why am I even here today? I'm just worthless, apparently. Uh, you're just dragging me along. A cheap shortstop on, on FanDuel specifically. Uh, is there one like Adrianza's? Adrianza's cheap, but he's kind of terrible. Um, you like Machado's pretty cheap. He's three one. You like that, right? Yeah, Machado's about the lowest I want to go. Uh, oh gosh, got the wrong slate up here because I had to switch on plate IQ. Oh, you were throwing a perfect game too. I, I, I haven't looked at Fanduel a whole lot today, but it's Simeon or Machado. Either one of them, if you're looking at one for cash, I prefer Machado for tournaments. Or if Tatis is in the lineup, he's not going to draw any ownership because everyone's going to throw Machado in instead of. Uh, Tatis and he has just as big of a possibility of hitting a home run as Machado is at drastically less ownership. Two for Baltimore Chris Davis and Hicks versus Carlos Santana and Dwight Smith. Uh, is this in tournaments? Doesn't say. All right. If if we're going actually regardless, the answer is the second one here. Sanchez versus Garver. I mean, if you want to play the ownership game, but like, you know, Garver is obviously overpriced, but again, five game slate, variance of baseball. What's your thought on that? I mean, I'd include Garver in – is Garver – yeah, Garver's back in third. All right, that makes things a little bit different. I really like Garver. For tournaments, Gary Sanchez is going to have a ridiculous amount of ownership. It all depends on what the rest of your lineup construction is because people who are including Jose Ramirez or including Machado, including Otani, including a lot of those guys are going to be the ones that are able to pay up for Sanchez. So if you're not paying down with a whole lot of other guys, you can go Garver and you can go up with a – like Trout with – uh Machado, you can still use it as a cheap guy with Pence. Like, pay up for bats if you're having a Garber lineup. Up against the clock, last one, Grant. End of the high notes, best Nick Cage movie. Best Nick Cage movie is Face Off, which, by the way, has a higher Rotten Tomato score than Shawshank Redemption, which I'm okay with. Okay, is that egregious? Have you seen Face Off? It starts with a kid getting shot, and it ends with I will not end movie. Beach for hours. I'm um, not going to be that guy. By the way, he filmed. We're going to argue with this all fair. We got to go. It's crunch time. No, last thing, Nick Cage, the day he ended filming for Con Air, he started filming for Face Off. The day he went Give from once. Buddy. The right. last thing in Face Off <laughs> in Con Air, he finished that and then immediately went over to the boat scene. There's a dog over your shoulder for what it's worth. Uh, he's Brad. He crushed this show. We apologize for a little bit late. D-Train, don't be mad, mad at us. Uh, enjoy your baseball slate tonight. I'm Dean. We're out of here. Holler!